So we have women from all walks of life. And you'll see in your um, little pamphlet at the opening there that um, this is about establishing or revitalizing ministry to women in your church. This does not have to be a formatted group setting. You guys, you're constantly ministering or you wouldn't be here, right? You're always in ministry. You're ministering to your kids. You minister to your husbands. You minister to your friends, your co-workers, your family members. And that's what this is going to help you with, though. It's just another tool in your arsenal to be able to maybe streamline some things or put some things in your thoughts that you've never had before. And the way it opens up is it introduces women's ministries. And I know that we have a limited amount of time, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the front part, but then we're going to flip to the back and talk about establishing a women's ministry in your church or revitalizing the one that you may already have. And the introduction tells us how that women have a unique need in ministry and we know we're unique and we know we're special but sometimes everybody else doesn't know that and men and how differently men and women need ministry and of course we can open with scripture in genesis chapter 2 verse 18 through 24 and what we all know what that is about adam was designed by god right and Eve was brought in to be a helpmeet to Adam and to he was part she was part of Adam. Genesis two let me scroll down to eighteen. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. I always tell my husband to remember he's made of dirt. We're not made of dirt. We were made from man. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And my son informed me a long time ago that we'd just be called wuh if it wasn't for man. (laughs) And of course, y'all can tell I'm from the South, so my vowels are a little different. Try homeschooling your kids and teaching them how to read and explain to them what an O is supposed to sound like or what an A is supposed to sound like. Because we say pen like ink pen. And up here, it's pen, right? And when I started teaching my daughter how to read, I was like, oh, Lord Jesus. I feel like I'm grammatically and phonetically incorrect my whole life. But anyway, um, my son also informed me one day as I had him empty the dishwasher out. He, was the, he had the cupboard door open completely or the cabinet door open, and he was just chunking the plastic wear in from the dishwasher. And I was like, Preston, that's not how you do that, son. you got to stack them from the biggest to the smallest, and la, la, la. He goes, that's what you get when you ask a man to do a woman's job. <laughs> I was like, what have I done wrong? Oh, my goodness. So we know that the needs of men and women are very different. And so we have to keep that in mind because God designed us for a specific way to be ministered to. 
And all in all, he knows best because he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's man, woman. He understands everything we ever experienced up until now and everything that we'll experience along the way. He walked it all out. And um, so since creation, men and women have been distinctly different. And there's they point out in here a few different ways that women women's ministry would be different, both mentally, emotionally, and then verbally, relationally, intuitively, and physically. And we all know that every cell of our bodies are different when it comes to men and women physically. Intuitively, women unconsciously perceive details. We have intuition. Men often overlook small details. (laughs) Is that not the truth? I love it. My husband is not detail-oriented at all. And relationally, women primarily desire to bond with others. Men primarily desire to distinguish themselves. Bonding is secondary. Verbally, women communicate mainly to express themselves. They expound on details, which we know we can all do that at times. But men communicate mainly to exchange information. It's like two grunts and we're done. Hammer and nail, that's it, right? So it's like men are quick to the point, too. And I kind of like that, you know, because that's how we work so well together. Because women are designed differently. And we can fill in the cracks, you know. It's so good for us to be a helpmeet to our spouses in that way. And emotionally, women process emotions through talking. They are more emotionally expressive. And men process emotions through action. They are more emotionally reserved. Women mentally have a more integrated brain structure and can multitask. Our pastor would probably disagree with us on that. And men are more singularly focused. But, you know, I was reading this um, paragraph about this one time with uh, men's brains and women's brains. And women's brains are like spaghetti noodles. And I saw that illustration. I was like, that is so true. Because we have constant thoughts going on in our minds about things all the time. And uh, we almost have a hard time shutting our brains off. You know, and just relaxing. And that's what our new theme is about this year. Is us as women learning to take the time to settle down and relax. And listen to the voice of the Lord. And when we're in that place of rest with Holy Spirit, He refreshes us in a way that we cannot be refreshed. There's no massage going to do it. There's no spa treatment going to do it. Holy Spirit will refresh us deep within who we are. And that's what we have to stop every now and then and just say, Lord, I, I just need your refreshing in my life. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary. Take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. He promises that, to do that for us. And that Jesus style of rest is really a good one. So these insights reveal that what ministers to a man may not be what ministers to a woman. And y'all know what? I was supposed to take questions at the beginning. Um about some things that you would like to see covered in the session today. Let's go back and do that real quick. Can we do that? So we're not I want to Now there are some questions in the review. I know y'all don't y'all haven't had time really to look over that yet. What would you what is one thing that you would like to really cover as far as when it comes to women's ministries? Something that you would like to have talked about in here? Because I'm by no means a professional, so we have plenty of resources in this room that we can probably cover the questions that you might have, even even if there may be some difficult questions. Um, are there any specifics you guys can think of? 
I think we'll cover some ideas on that in the in the structure that the AGs at, that they are talking about in this with the three dimensional design. I think it'll probably help with some of that. Does anybody else have a question? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, we'll cover that too. Because really, that goes back to casting vision. I believe, and that's something. Okay, so we're going to go. Let me, let me cover these quick questions. Okay, first one is what ministers to a woman? The purpose of big events. That goes back to, uh, I think it's like probably on the first or second page of your notes. Um, purpose of small groups. Purpose of one-on-one connections. Incorporating outreaches and missions. And implementing the three-dimensional design in your church. They cover the implementation at the last of these notes. So what I'm going to do is highlight quickly what the, each of these are. And then we're going to go and cover the implementation right off the bat. Because I feel like that's something we should probably spend more of our time on. Because I think it will help get us in the direction that we need to be going in. Um, so the three-dimensional design that the Assemblies of God put into place, this is Miss Carrie Clarence saw. I don't know if you guys follow her, but if you ever go to the women.ag.org, you can watch her things. There's also a site called Her Green Room, and she has video like excerpts of interviews that she's done. You can literally go to the womenag.org website. Say you're dealing with somebody who has addiction issues and you've really never done this before you can go on and they have all kinds of articles and videos about those types of topics so you can get the help that you need right then say your pastor's not available or someone's not available to really help you through that it's uh, it's something you can a resource that you can tap into so the three-dimensional design is the big events small groups and one-on-one connections big events are going to look like just what it says a big event How many of you guys can raise your hand and say, you know, seven unsaved or unchurched, consistently unchurched people in your life? Okay, so you're talking about you're the immediate contact, and they say eight out of ten people who are invited personally to attend a church service or attend an event will actually come. So you're the connection with those people to say, okay, we have a really awesome event coming up at our church. You don't have to be a member. You don't even have to do anything. There's no ties. I just would like you to come as my guest. We have a big event coming up in our church, and it's going to be Easter Sunday. We call it Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to have a breakfast, and we have moved that. We've only been in our church a year and two months, and we have moved that completely towards an evangelistic purpose because we've got to be fishers. 
Our churches can't just be cruise ships where people can come on and get some sun and do their hair. We have to have our ships battle ready, doing warfare in the spirit, and women are so awesome at that, doing warfare in the spirit as well as evangelizing, fishing. Get the nets out, swooping people in, welcoming them to, into your body so that they can know that they can be as much a part of this or as little a part of this as they want to. And just the idea about the way church used to be, which I've grown up in the Assemblies of God. I love the Assemblies of God. I love church, period. And I love our our way we do church, our worship, our everything. I love the tithes and offerings. I love the preaching. I love all there is about church. But someone right off the street doesn't understand a lot of the stuff we do, a lot of the things that we have going on in our services. And so the whole Sunday morning theme is let's reach out with that those big old arms of love and let's draw these people in the best way we can. And I think that our big events need to look that same way for women. I know a lady, She, um, her name is Becky Hennessy. I don't know if any of y'all know her, but she does a girlfriend's big event every year. And basically it is a huge night event where these ladies can come. They dress up as much as they want to dress up or as not as much as they want, don't want to. And they show up and they are just treated like royalty the whole evening long. They always have a theme for the event. One time it was prom. So there was no date involved, but everybody could come like they were going to a prom. So these girls who wanted to participate in this, they absolutely loved it. And then they can get connect, they make those connections, and then they can follow up with those women to see what is your ministry needs? What, what is something I can pray with you about? What's something going on in your life that I can help you with? And so these are the purpose of the big events. There's um, mixers, icebreakers that you can do as part of that. And what you want is you want to make this event something that everybody across the board feels comfortable to participate in. Um, the atmosphere, you want it to be that way. Everybody feels comfortable. Meals are a good way. We all like to eat. I love to eat. And so we can. meals are a good way to bring people in and make them part of that event. And so kind of that's really what a big event is. And then the um, purpose of the small groups is a fellowship group. You can make it a fellowship group, you know, where you all get together and just kind of hang out. It can be a common interest group. This is where I think would help with your ladies that you're talking about. Your common interest group could literally be single ladies. And then when you bring them in there, you have something to give them that can help them through their daily lives. I mean, think about it. You could tap into local daycares and stuff and, and or get your youth group to maybe offer them a day or a, a night out where they could come and drop their kids off, do it like a fundraiser for the youth where they get 2 or $3 an hour to sit there with the, these single mom's kids or the ones who are already, you know, their spouses have passed away. There's good opportunities for those things where you can maybe just take them out to dinner. Y'all go out and just hang out. If you want more of a ministry style, I love the idea of doing a, you know, like a Bible study type of thing. I just did one called 21 Day Journey with a girl that I'm mentoring um, because she's come out of such an abusive lifestyle that I don't understand. And I can't pretend to understand this. And, and I'm like, okay, but I know God does. And the Word gives us everything we need. And when we went, started going through the Bible study, we had to slow down. Because it, the immediate first couple chapters of it is about forgiveness for your abusers, forgiveness for the people who have wronged you in your life. 
and the abuse that this young lady has experienced, I can tell her she needs to forgive, but the bottom line is, that's a supernatural work that Holy Spirit has to do. And so that's something that, you know, there's so many good resources out there for that. And that's where, like, we can, you know, communicate back and forth if you want some ideas on that. But um, so common interest groups, you're talking about, like, a scrapbooking group or a gardening book group. Um, we had a, uh, a lady who had a sewing group one time. The ladies loved to get together and make stuff. She encouraged her women to have more than two in a group because it's good for accountability. Because sometimes we as women can get together, and if it's just us and our best friend, we tend to might talk about things that we probably shouldn't talk about. Maybe people we might not should talk about. And so it helps to have that accountability with that third person in the group to say, you know, it just kind of keeps it on track, keeps the focus good. And then compassion groups, this is a way to minister out into your communities. In the South, I was part of a group called Discovery Clubs. We went into the school every afternoon from 3 to 4, and we were able to have a Bible program for the kids. They had a scripture they had to memorize. We went over the story with them, and it was awesome opportunities. I saw these little kids go from thinking it was okay to steal to realizing that it's not okay to do that. And it's because of the commandments we were teaching them that says, Thou shalt not. And it was so neat to see that little light bulb click on in their, in their world. And that's a good opportunity for women to get involved. Get in, your, get in your schools. Get involved with your teachers. Let them know. I'm not coming to narc on you. I'm not going to tattletale and tell your business as a teacher. I want to come in here and serve. I want to help you in any way I can. And that becomes a ministry to that woman. And she says, oh, my goodness, she's from that church down the street. I'm going to go check that place out, you know. And you just never know what kind of bridge you're going to be what kind of gap you're going to be bridging in those opportunities. There's the compassion groups, the prayer groups. Of course, this is an incredible opportunity. We have a group of ladies that meet in our church now every week, and we are wanting to log prayer hours because we want our, at the end of our year of being in this church, we want to have so many hours of effective prayer going up for our church, our community, our city, for so people can know that somebody at Bethel is praying for them. And we take our needs on Sunday mornings that have been presented, or if somebody comes a first-time attender and they fill out a visitor's card, we're able to take those needs to these ladies and say, pray over these needs for the week. You know, And it's, just, it's, a, it's a great way to track your progress, basically, because you're spending that time in prayer before the Lord. And then... Instruction time is a good place for small groups, which is study groups, growth, and growth groups. Who has, like, home fellowship-type groups at your church right now? Okay. Hmm, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good opportunity because you can make those women's groups depending on your pastor's vision for the way the, you know, small groups are supposed to be structured. That would be a good time to do that. And then you could still incorporate it to be a common interest group or something. Some ladies like to just get together and drink coffee. You know, and that's a good time for women to just let their guard down and get to know one another. And women can be hard to connect with sometimes because we are we sometimes are hesitant on trusting people, especially if we've been hurt before. And um, and we'll kind of put our walls up for a little while until we feel comfortable. And so it's it's but God wants to minister to our needs through other women. And we need to be remembering that so we don't keep those guards up all the time. And then the purpose of the one-on-one connections, um, these need to be intentional friendships. You want to have these. Um, how many of you have someone personally that you've been able to mentor over the years of being a Christian? Yeah. 
Oh my goodness, y'all. This is like the first time I've really, really been, um, it's been like, almost like a daughter situation. Usually it's kind of in and out relationships that I'm able to mentor women just from my experience and stuff. But this relationship has been different that way. And it's been such a learning experience for me. And in Titus, um, I kind of skipped ahead, but I'm going to go back to this scripture real fast. In Titus chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, you guys don't have to turn there, but the Bible talks about how that the basically the older men are supposed to teach the younger men, the older women are supposed to teach the younger women. And I think over the years there's been this sometimes this thing in the churches where things have gotten a little segregated with the age brackets in our church. It's like, well, the older ladies do that and the younger ladies do this, and, and then they never really come together and do anything together. And I, I'm fighting that even right now because I don't want that to be the mindset. I don't think that needs to be the mindset. I have younger girls. I learn from my daughter a little something all the time. I learn from younger women in, that are around me all the time. I learn from older women that are older than I am. I had a lady we moved to Leeds, and I've lived away from my parents ever since I got married, and I've been married 20 years. And... When I first met this lady, she was probably 75 at the time, and we just really got to be fast friends. And as we, as I was around her, I realized she did stuff differently than I did. It didn't make it wrong, but it was just different. And I loved learning the way she did things. She taught me, I'd, I'd be cooking something, because I like to make my food from scratch, so I'm going to make, before I make, like, Mm, a dish that might call for cream of chicken soup. I'm going to try to make my own cream of chicken soup first. So I'm scratching it up, you know, with butter and milk and all the stuff that you need. And then I'd call her. I'd be like, okay, I'm this far. What do I do now? You know, and she was there to help me with that. And even if we can be there for someone, just one person in that way, to let them know that we care about the stuff that they're involved in in their everyday lives. I just think it's so important. It's just one person at a time is all it takes. But have it be an intentional friendship in your life. Someone that you may seek out to really bond with, but also understand that they're going to be watching your life. They're going to be looking to see, how, did, how would such and such do this? Because this would be neat to find out, you know? And then as you do it that way, they're going to imitate you in that. And I've got a closing scripture I'm going to read about that in Hebrews And then there's prayer triads. This is the inspirational side of the one-on-one connections. Um, The prayer triads are much more relational than the prayer chains of the past. And they do not require a great deal of time or resources. How many of you guys are part of a prayer group on Facebook? Yeah, if somebody say, yeah, they say their needs on Facebook, you immediately take the need to the Lord. And that's, that's just as, that's how easy this prayer thing can be. We had a, um, recently for Valentine's Day, um, one of the girls in our church did Secret Sisters where they did little prizes and little gifts and things, and they kind of had them fill out a profile page so every secret sister who got one and participated would know kind of what that person liked and didn't like, those kinds of things. And it turned out to be really neat. We had a lot of ladies participate in that. And all along the way, they felt so loved by this secret sister. And I just thought it was a really cute idea. And then... um you can or also in all of this, you want to be incorporating outreaches and missions. Here's the thing, and this is where I'm skipping to the end, where it says implementing the three-dimensional three-dimensional design in your church. Um, here's the thing: you've got to have vision for your women's ministries. 
And you want to have vision that's in line with the vision of the church and in vision with the pastor, okay? Because if you have something that you just randomly pull out and it doesn't really filter through the overall vision of the church, it's not going to match up well and it probably won't last very long because you want to have the backing of your leadership. You want to have people who are on board with it because it makes sense. So make sure that you kind of have it in the funnel of the leadership in your church. So... It says here to establish a leadership network. Now, you want to do that. I would, I, me personally, I would probably, if I felt, who's a women's ministries leader in here right now? You're serving as a women's ministries leader. Okay. And then who's a pastor's wife? <laughs> That's so awesome. Mostly all of y'all are pastor's wives. That's good. Because you can get the, you can totally get your way when it comes to the vision of the women's ministry in the church. <laughs> the pastor's going to listen to you for sure. But really, you want to take and you want to kind of cast vision for it for yourself. For example, this is where I'm at right now in our church. We have fifth and sixth grade girls that aren't really involved on Wednesday nights because our Wednesday nights are really structured towards the student ministries and then the kids' ministries. So the fifth and sixth grade girls are in that place where they would love to go to youth, but they're not really old enough. Some of them aren't comfortable going to youth. Some of them's parents aren't comfortable with them going to youth. But you don't want them not coming to church because they have nowhere to be. So I'm right now trying to build vision with, with myself of, okay, what could, a, what could a ministry to these girls look like on a Wednesday night? You know, how long will it last? What kind of activities will we do? There's, it's easy to get curriculum from the Assemblies of God. Don't reinvent the wheel. Don't feel like you got to write your own curriculum because they got it all available. Just type it in and order it, and it's there at your door. You open it up, and you start teaching the lessons. That's how easy it is. Just you could do age bracket Sunday school material. You could do all kinds of different things that the AG has available. Girls Ministries resources. And so keep that in mind because don't make it harder on yourself than it needs to be. And don't, cons- don't waste all your time with those kinds of things, trying to write this, the lessons every week and put together the craft every time. You know, when the craft is already formatted, you just buy cotton balls to go with it. And so, so when you go to establish a leadership network, you want to have a potential member, like an individual that can help you with these things. Someone in the big events coordinator position, small groups coordinator, Connections coordinator, missions coordinator, and the administrator. If you're wanting to cast the vision for the women's ministries and you kind of are in charge, you might not fall in as the administrator. That might not be your gifting. And that's okay because you want to find somebody that that's their strength and they can come in alongside you and help you. Now, if anybody is like my churches have always been, I'm usually all these positions And I'm trying to run around and do everything at one time. So don't be afraid to delegate those spots to people, even if it's just for a one-time event. You know what I'm saying? Just to get somebody else involved, because also that gives them buy-in. They realize that this is a valuable ministry for the church, and I want to be a part of this, and then they'll get excited, and everybody they know will be a part of it. Who knows that once something, oh my goodness, have y'all seen it online? When something goes viral, the whole world is watching it, And we're going to click on it and watch it too for sure. Or we're going to go out and buy it too for sure because it's gone crazy viral. And that's kind of how the world operates nowadays. But it's excitement. And all it takes is that excitement from one or two people. And that, that just spirals into something huge. 
And so we want that to look the same way for our women's ministries in our churches. Because look at all the women's whose, women whose lives will be touched by that. Just, it's just unbelievable. So go to your pastor. I say, ask, don't tell. Unless you're his wife, then you know you can do what you want to because you're his wife. But you know, go to him, ask him. Say, look, this is kind of what I had in mind. What do you think about this? Considering the vision of the church, they also give us the women's missions um, statement on here. It's really good. I like the way they phrase it. The national women's um, mission statement is, Our mission is to touch the lives of women by the transforming power of Jesus Christ, disciple them to follow his example, and train them to minister to others. That's what we want. Every day, that's what we want. We want to see God's. We want to see people's lives impacted for the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So establish and share the vision with your group of ladies. Once you get, you know, your pastor's approval, establish the vision for your ladies that you want to get to help you. You know, have four or five ladies that you can sit down with. You can brainstorm those ideas. What does our big event need to look like? What do our small groups want to look like? And then, what are our one-on-one connections going to be? And this vision, you want it, remember it to coincide with that of the vision of the church. And then there's also each person will have a little job description that you could put together for them so they know what their responsibilities are going to be. Because it helps to know that going into something, especially as committed in our time frames as we are as women. It helps to know how much time will I have to invest in this on a regular basis. So be clear with your ladies. Clearly communicate what you expect from them so that they understand what their responsibilities are going to be. And then ask them to pray about the decision. And once the planning committee is finalized, set a date to meet together. And it says go to step three, which is meeting with the planning committee. I thought that was cute. But you, it's, in, it's in quotes. You'll see it there because it's something you can look up on the AG Women's site, and it'll direct you to that page to kind of walk you through what to do. And then um, you can also contact your district women's director so that um, you can inquire about what kind of things that are already available for you. It's like this, this thing we have here right now that you're reading. You could go back and teach this to your ladies. And go ahead, once you get that vision established and that mission that you want to do, you could just teach this to your ladies so they understand exactly what they're getting themselves into. And then develop your ministry guidelines, which is establishing your mission statement. You want to create a calendar as early as possible so the ladies that are going to be involved could, if they're working, they need to find babysitters, whatever they need to do, they can do it ahead enough of time so that they can be prepared to participate. You really don't want anything standing in the way for them to be able to invite their people they run into in the stores regularly or invite their family members and things like that. So the better planning and better details that you can give out early in the game is the best way to do it. And then you're going to meet with the the planning committee all together and then host a leadership orientation, which it doesn't really have to be that formal. You can bring them together. You can say, this is what we're going to be doing. You guys help me pound out the details on this. What do our table spread need to look like? You know, say you're planning a big spaghetti banquet you're going to do for the women in the community. So you go around, you got to hand out flyers. they got to know it's happening. You're going to put it on Facebook so your friends can share the information as the event. You're going to offer something for them to walk away with. You want, to, you want them to have a takeaway moment. Whatever that's going to look like, that's what you want. You want them to be able to walk away and say, wow, that was really impacting. That's something I want to implement in my life. I want to live that out every day. 
and let them have something they can take away. And then plan, promote, and host a big event to launch your ministry. They encourage you to do this right off the bat. So you just start out fresh. And um, we've been here a year at our church now. We're at, we've been here a year. And um, we have two ladies that are currently serving as the women's ministries leaders. And they're doing a great job. And it was so nice for me to be able to go in as the pastor's wife and be like, you know, I can serve him on a Sunday morning. I can go and serve the ladies. I can, I can help do what I need to do. And I just love that right now. But I know the time is short, going to be short for that because I would really love to have this structure implemented in our, because we do a lot of activities, but my, my passion is to see other women be involved that maybe aren't even attending a church somewhere consistently or they're not saved at all and they want to come and be part of our, our activities, you know, to start with. And what it does is it just gets people to come in, in the church, you know. Who do you run into at the grocery store consistently? What shops do you frequent that you kind of see the same person every time, you know, that might be working there, kind of hostessing their shop and comes to you, you know, like those little mom-and-pop places. I love that stuff. And if those people aren't plugged into a church, they're your prime opportunity to say, hey, come check us out. I'd love to have you. And so in conclusion, consider revitalizing your ministry to expand beyond a monthly meeting. The three-dimensional approach offers effective ministry to women because women need, everybody needs this, to be invited. They need to feel included, and they need to be informed. Communication is the best thing. Um, it's, it, you may sound like you're repeating yourself all the time. Your pastor's going to roll his eyes because you're going to want to make another announcement about it. But the reality is the more you get in front of their faces, the more likely they are going to be to participate. And when they walk away, they're going to know they've been loved by you. And that's awesome. That's an incredible opportunity for us to be able to be in those shoes. And then um, big events can help women feel connected with life and community of the church. Events also provide a doorway for women who are not yet involved. And because large group settings are not as effective for discipleship, this is the best time to help women join their small group. So at your big event, you want to have sign-up sheets for small groups. You want to have people like a job fair. They're standing there and they're saying, this is our small group. This is what we do. We would love to have you participate. You don't want to fight over the people. We have had that happen on occasion where visitors come and they're so attacked. When they leave, they're like, oh, thank God I'm never going back to that church again. But, you know, you just want to love people and sometimes people get a little overwhelmed by that. So keep that in mind as you train your ladies to serve. Keep in mind that, you know, some people want you in their business and some people don't. So just be respectful of their preferences on that. And then um, women need to be involved and receive biblical instruction for their life situations. Um, I've had literally in the last week, I feel like my family is having a revival of some degree. And uh, I'm the oldest of eight, and two of my siblings have had huge marriage trouble recently. And we've been praying for my family. We consistently pray for my family. By name, the two that are having the problems are the ones my husband at church with the staff have been praying for for the last two months. And I told Peyton some of the things that were going on, and she goes, well, this is a perfect opportunity for God to get a hold of their lives. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And then my brother calls me, and that is what is going down. 
He's, they're reading scripture together. They're praying. They love each other like they've never loved each other before. That is a full-on miracle just as powerful as somebody getting a new arm or leg. And I was just like, praise you, Lord. And you can see when God starts doing miracles, what does that do in your life, right? It builds your faith. It ignites your passion. You're like, okay, I can do another day tomorrow. I'm going to get somebody else. Somebody else is going to be part of the kingdom of God tomorrow because of this testimony today. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We had a young lady in our church. She needed a shoulder. Uh, she had a shoulder problem. And within, it, she came a couple of months having prayer about it because her arm was getting to the point where she really couldn't move it. And so she went into the doctor. They gave her the cortisone shot, and they were like, he was like, if this works, we'll have to see because in six weeks you're going to come back and we might have to do surgery at that point. And um, she came up one Wednesday night, and she was just desperate. She was like, Lord, I need your touch. Pastor, Pastor Kevin had the chair sitting in the floor, and he said, I want anybody coming up here and sit in this chair who wants to get prayer tonight because God's going to move. We had just finished the minister's retreat, and he was fired up. And when she came and sat down, I don't even, y'all, I don't even know that she actually asked for prayer for her shoulder because she's got so much other stuff going on in her world. And she went home that night by Sunday. That was a Wednesday night. By Sunday, she was like stretching her arms up like this behind her back. And my husband was like, hmm, should you be doing that with that shoulder like that? And she's like, my shoulder hasn't hurt since Wednesday night. And she's like moving it all around. She went back to the, he goes, well, okay, praise the Lord, you know. He's like, but you just went to the doctor and got it checked. He said, why don't you go back and get it checked out again? She's like, I will. She goes back, gets an x-ray. I'm not kidding. If y'all want to see it after, you can come see it. She, it's like she has a new shoulder in her arm. I was like, woo, that is Jesus. And that's what we want to see. Every one of those things that happen, that's a newfound passion. That's a new vision for what God wants to do in your life and around you with the women that are in your, in your ministry. And so we do want to teach the Word of God. I don't think every time you get together with your women, it should be just about fun. I think we need to help them understand Scripture. I think we need, we've, we've got times and opportunities where, you know, you can just bring a, bring a theme back to Scripture. Because God always teaches us in our everyday lives. Our scripture applies to every day. From the Old to the New Testament, every single bit of it applies. And I'm using it all the time to teach my kids because teaching kids is definitely a challenge. So, let's see. Let's go to the questions. You guys can actually answer the questions. Um, Good deal. That's okay. Do you guys have the questions? Okay, well, I'll go over them real quick. No, it's okay. I don't mind at all. Hey, well, do you have do you have any other questions, things you might want to? And her question was, how do you involve women? I think the big thing is really just getting something that has a vision and a purpose, because without vision, the people perish. Getting something that has a vision, cast that vision, talk about it all the time. So that people understand, this is where we're going with this. And then they'll get excited about it. And once they start getting excited about it, then it's going to mean a lot to them. You know the best ones to be in girls' ministries? A girls' ministries coordinator or a teacher in your church is going to be a girl that was raised in girls' ministries. Right? She grew up in it. Rural Rangers, same thing. Those men... 
They grow up in Rangers. They understand the value of it, so they become a Ranger commander. They're the best ones to, to really get it out there and help people become passionate towards it. And um, so women today are hurting, isolated, and alone because they are inundated with lies. We do have a lot of lies from society, from media, that are bombarding women. You got to be a certain way. You got to act a certain way. The fun one for me is pastor's wives, the lies I put on myself about what a pastor's wife is supposed to be like. There's a lot of more freedom in that now than there used to be. And, um, and when I, because I guess when I was younger, I was just so intimidated by that. And there, there are, there are a lot of lies that the enemy feeds our minds. Recently, I've really felt a burden for women and young people that God is, that God wants you to understand he's crazy in love with you. And because of you, if it had been only you, Jesus still would have come and died on the cross. And I love that about God because he wants people to know that word in their hearts, in their spirits to understand that's who they are to him. He values us that much. But the enemy wants to tell us that we're worthless. We don't need to be doing this. We're not equipped to do this. You know, he's ah, just his constant barrage of junk. And we just can't listen to him. We've got to shut down the voice of the enemy in our lives. Now, which of the following is not true? Not They give uh, three options. I'm just going to read the one they say. The following is not true of most women when compared to most men. That women communicate mainly to exchange information and men condense details. We know that to be true. What ministers to a man is just as effective as what ministers to a woman. No. We know things have to be uniquely different to women. Although I was a little jealous, our boys went shooting, and I kind of wanted to go. (laughs) Which of the following is not a benefit of women ministering to women? That women are generally more intelligent than men. Isn't that funny? <laughs> He's going to be totally offended today. He's like, I'm, that's so funny. So it's not a benefit of women ministering to women. Oh. It, she did say in the beginning of this, which I didn't go over specifically, she said that it is a, it would be unhealthy for a male pastor or leader to have the relationship described above, which we talked about, the um relational, intuitive, physical, all that stuff, with a woman in his congregation. The Bible tells us that women are the best model of godly behavior for other women. Women understand women, so we need to allow women to minister to other women, and that will give freedom to the church staff and prevent unhealthy emotional and physical attachments from forming between male pastors and women in the congregation. This is why ministry to women by women is a vital part of a healthy congregation. And that's a good word of wisdom. I love that. And the more, the older I get, the more vigilant I, I am about things like that. We have the accountability thing where you're not alone with an op, someone of opposite sex in your office or with the door closed, those kinds of things. I just always just encourage people to live that out, you know. It's difficult because if you have two or three staff members at the church and someone needs to leave and you leave a male and female in the church, that's kind of hard. So you have to work those details out, figure out ways to be above reproach and all those things. Um, Let me go back to the questions and make sure. we got five more minutes. Let me read my scripture then. I'm going to skip the questions and go to the scripture. I knew we'd be crunched for time. This actually, this this packet, the first time I received it, was probably four times the size that it is now. 
which I was like, whoa, that's a lot of material. Um, this scripture is in Hebrews, and this is my charge as you leave here today. If you don't take anything away from today, this is the one thing I want you to hear. If I can find it. You know what? I'm going to make it easy because I highlighted it on my phone. Thinking about writing it out, putting it on my um, mirror at my house. Do you guys see that for yourselves? Kind of psych you up when you're getting ready. Like Rocky. (laughs) Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus... He's alive, right? No. No other God can say that. No other God did that. God with little g. No. He did. He he was brought back from the dead. Our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And back in verse 7, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's what when somebody's around you and you're ministering to them, that's what they're going to do. They're going to imitate your faith. I'm an imitation of the deposits that God has placed inside of me over the years of being part of someone else's life and someone else's ministry. And you want that to be good fruit bearing out in, the, in those seasons and those times for those women in your life. So, that's it. I'm done. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you.